This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to this PSA by me, Quentin. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up with the audio quality on this episode. So we used Zencaster to record this episode. Uh, we're going to be using this website anytime we have guests on. It allows for really easy uh, remote interviews, and it's pretty great. But uh, there's some kind of weird muffled parts during some of their recordings it's something that we really don't have much control over uh, but otherwise i think the audio quality is uh it's good enough for me so hopefully it's not too distracting uh we wanted to do a test record with zencaster for this episode because we actually have a guest coming up on the next episode after this one and we talk about that a little bit in this episode so anyways just wanted to give you a heads up Without further ado, here is our episode on Flickr Sticks welcoming home the astronauts. And here are your scores from the final Battle of the Bands. Soulcracker played first and got 185 points. Flicker Stick played second and got 218 points. So the winner of Bands on the Run is Flicker Stick. We never thought that we had a damn chance ever. And for somehow for it to turn out by music, we won for all the right reasons. And that's why I'm so proud of the band. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis, got my brother Quentin with me as always, and I got my Flicker Stick shirt on my body cue. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's on your body, dude. Yeah. Because where else would it be? Well, I mean, I mean, it is kind of worth mentioning that because it actually still fits me, which is impressive. Hey, dude. You're trying to make you trying to make me feel bad, dude. I guarantee you, I've thrown on a, a, at least another 10, 15 pounds since this whole COVID. I mean, I, I, I don't weigh the same that I did when I was thirteen. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. But this thing still fits me, dude. I can actually breathe in it too, so. dude. I can I can see the bright blue T shirt in my mind with that weird logo that they had. Yeah, I, I still don't know. It looks like a harpoon or something like that, maybe something like that. But yeah. So as our as our intro clip um, teased there and as we teased last week we're talking about a dallas well actually more fort worth based we're talking about a fort worth based band called Flickerstick that were the the champions of a reality tv show on vh1 back in 2001 called bands on the run and i would say that they are probably the first band that you and i actually like felt some sort of an attachment to you know? Yeah, dude, we were with them all the way. And I was just as proud as those boys yeah, by the end of that show. And I remember us, um, all right, let me, let me give a breakdown of what the show was here. So it aired from April 2nd to July 15th, 2001. 
So three days after you and I turned 14, we saw these guys uh, get crowned the champions. And I remember watching that show. I remember watching it the, the night that it aired. And I don't know if it was through a phone or through, it probably wasn't through text messaging back then, but audience members called and voted to pick who the ultimate winner was, right? So basically what it was, four bands, which was Flickerstick, obviously, a band called Harlow from Los Angeles, which was like a punk goth band, the Josh Dotus band, which was like a jazz fusion. They were Steely Dan. Steely Dan, trying to do Steely Dan, yeah, from New York City. And then Soulcracker, which were the runner-ups from San Diego, which were kind of like a, I don't know, power pop, alt rock. Kind of ska. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So the premise was, right, these four unsigned bands basically went on the road, right? And they had 13 shows that they each had to play over eight weeks. And it was a competition reality show. So the band that sold the most merch got the most off of their ticket prices. They were able to set their own ticket prices. The band that made the most money over the course of the tour won the show with the caveat of these battle of the band competitions that would happen like every three episodes where the lowest uh, earning band had a chance to sort of like not get kicked off kind of thing. Oh yeah. This classic uh, like competition reality show stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Flickerstick won the first two battle of the bands to avoid elimination, right? Cause they were always lagging behind in sales because according to what I've read here and from what I remember, they just didn't take the show seriously. Like basically they thought like in their head that they were, they were in a documentary, like that this was going to be like more of a documentary and not a reality game show. And they and so, were all pretty heavy partiers. Oh, yeah. Recall. Heavy drinking, heavy drugs. Big part of the Flicker Stick story. And yeah. probably why, you know, they had such audience popularity because they were the ones doing all the crazy antics and stuff. Right. Not taking the show seriously. So at the end of the show, even though kind of like the Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump election queue. Even though they didn't have the most money, they still won because of the audience voting. Actually, that's not that's the opposite of what happened to Hillary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they won the popular vote, and that means they actually won. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I remember we casted our vote for Flickerstick somehow, however you did it. I remember we actually did that. From it must our, have been a phone line thing. Something like that, yeah. But they, they ultimately won, and that, that gave them $50,000 in cash. $100,000 in musical equipment from a guitar center, a showcase in front of recording executives, and a fully produced music video to be aired on VH1. I thought they also got like um, a whole brand new um, studio time. Well, but that's the thing. And that's the funny thing. They even talk about that. They said, you know, that people thought that they got, they were automatically signed by winning, but all they got was a chance to perform or do a showcase in front of these executives who would then do this bidding war kind of a shitty deal dude. yeah and that's part of the story too so all right here's what i wanted to do there's a whole bunch of stuff i wanted to talk about but i wanted to let's just play because here's the thing to me the most interesting thing about flicker stick is what happened to them after they won the show but let's let's hear some music first right i want to say something real quick here dude so this is our last stop on the bus tour on our school bus tour, dude, this is it. Yes, that's right. We've been doing a batch of back to school, you know, music that we've listened to in high school. And I think Flickerstick is the perfect band to finish things up with. Because like you said last week, this was the first band that we kind of had a, a strong connection to. Like this was our band, you know? Yeah. Like we were rooting for them. They were from our hometown. Um, I think this was the start of our uh, our obsession with with music and, and specifically like indie rock seeking out, you know, relatively unknown bands. This is almost like the beginning of music turning into a hobby, kind of like sports fans have, yeah. you know, like to where we latched on to a group and wanted to know more about the individual members. And then this also was the start of our love for, concerts absolutely just, just music in general dude like this was it yeah and that's the thing what made flicker six such a compelling band to watch was the live performance 
And that's kind of been another, you know, running theme with them is that they can't capture the live performance on the record. So much so that they put out a live, a live record called Causing a Catastrophe Live that came out a few years after Welcoming Home the Astronauts was re-released once they were signed to, to Epic Records. But anyway, um, so yeah, yeah, you're right about that, Q. When we saw these guys live, and I have the ticket in front of me right here, Q, the actual ticket. Damn, dude. Yeah, dude, I surrounded myself with with all the mementos here. I got the CD, and this is not the actual CD that we owned when we were kids. I found this at uh, Josie, like maybe last year or the, the year before that. Uh, but the ticket, here we go, Q. As we mentioned, we saw Phantom Planet open for Flickerstick, along with a band called Ruby Horse. We saw them at the Ridgely Theater, which is a Fort Worth venue. That was a cool venue, man. I remember it was tiny. Yeah. And I remember a lot. I remember that show vividly. November 10th, 2001. So Damn, dude. months after they won the show, we saw them live. That's awesome. This was, this was right off the, basically they got signed to Epic Records. They re-released Welcoming Home the Astronaut right before this. And then they, they started touring and we saw them. That, I mean, that's how fanatical we were, right? We immediately yeah. saw them their first major tour after the record. And I'm sure our dad was hanging out in the back with his, uh, his earplugs in cause he, he used to take us to concerts yes, definitely. and just suffer through if, you know, if he wasn't into the music, he would suffer through it cause he's a good fucking dad, dude. And he, yeah, he was, he, he was happy that we were latching onto music like, like we did. Yeah. I don't know if we talked about this when he was on the show, when he was on the uh, Larry Carlton show that we did, but you know, he's got two passions, right? Music and sports. Music, he shares that passion with you and me more so than, than Spencer. Spencer loves music too, our older brother. And then Spencer is a sports fanatic. So, yeah, it's no uh, surprise that he, you know, we can we can thank him for the, for our lifelong passion in music. It started with him. Absolutely. Anyway, that's a whole other episode. We're going to have him on in the coming weeks. Spoilers. But uh, anyway, so yeah, let's just play some music because I want to, I want to show you the band before we talk about, cause I mean, who cares what happened to them after this? You know what I mean? We do because we were fanatical about them and it's kind of, it's a really interesting story. Actually what happened. I, I read a really interesting interview that Brandon, the lead singer did for like Fort Worth weekly or something like that back in 2015. And he kind of sp- spills all of it. Exactly what happened what happened to each band member, what happened to him. And it's really interesting. So we'll talk about that. I bet it's tragic, huh? It is. It is. It definitely is. All right. So uh, let's just play a, uh, play a song real quick. We're going to play two songs. Uh, I wanted to have some fun before I bring the goosebumps cue. Okay. We're going to play two, two songs I think represent what they did really well, which was just have fun with these kind of fun, poppy indie songs. And then, do these really intimate, what's the word, man, besides goosebumps that we can use? Really compelling. I mean, they're ballads, right? Kind of. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Here's the first song. So this record is called Welcoming Home the Astronauts. It was a record that they had produced and, and released before Bands on the Run. And then after Bands on the Run, they were signed with Epic Records and re-released it. What you're hearing is the re-released versions of this, the songs, which is important because it's reproduced so they do sound slightly different than you know the original recordings of these songs but so in other words they sound better but anyway here is a song called talk show host Show they'll have you 
bring back memories for you oh yeah man dude this was one of those albums that i played all the way through on drums like i would press play and play along with it yeah i wanted to dude i wanted to bring that up because because that's the thing um so flicker stick is brandon lee vocalist also played guitar Corey krieg main guitar player keyboards vocals fletcher lee who is the brother of Brandon, the lead singer on bass, Rex Ewing, also known as El Dangeroso, if you <laughs> watched the uh, competition or if you're a major fan. He's on guitar, also does backup vocals. And then Dominic Weir on drums, who we actually went to school with his cousin, I believe. Shout out to Lulu. Shout out to Lulu. She's not listening. So, um, <laughs> Okay, so Corey Craig, the Krieg, however you pronounce it, the, the main guitar player guy. What I liked about the way he played the guitar, and you heard kind of at the very end, the outro of that song, you know, his guitar lines were 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 nothing like complicated. And I know that's true about the drummer. His drumming is not very complicated whatsoever. Which was great for me as a 14-year-old who just started playing drums. Right. And, and same, same can be said for the guitar player. Even though the, I would say the guitar player is very effective and has some really great lines throughout this, this record, his style was uh, simplistic enough that I could pick up my guitar and like pick around on the fretboard and figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Which I think was great because like you said, around this time is when we also picked up a guitar and a drum set for the yeah. first time. So I mean, like, I didn't we pick were... up the whole drum set because that shit was heavy, dude, but I did pick up a <laughs> pair of sticks. So when you picked up some sticks and I picked up my, my guitar pick, you know, started plucking away. And um, yeah, but, th- but I think that is part of it, right? It was approachable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with a song like this. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a relatively straightforward song. You know what I mean? The chorus is catchy as hell. Yeah. I like the little uh, breakdown. The Papa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so here's the funny thing. Um, they describe themselves. Actually, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quote from Brandon. He was talking about the landscape of 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 rock music in 2001. 
He says, you've got Linkin Park and Limp Bizkit, which I think oh. is funny because we've, oh. we've heard this over and over again. Anytime uh, like an indie band or something like that describes the landscape of music in 2001, they always yeah. say Linkin Park and Limp Bizkit. Like yeah. those are the, the two that you go to. He says, you've got Linkin Park and Limp Bizkit, and then you've got sensitive metal like Stained, mm. and then pop rock like Lifehouse and Matchbox 20. We're into more psychedelic, mellow music. I have the confidence to say that I can't name a band that we're trying to be like. I think that's a good description of them. Psychedelic mellow. Yeah. And then, so I was reading, um, you've been to the Wayback Machine, right? Oh, yeah. So the original VH1 show uh, page for this show is archived, which is sweet because I was able to look at the old Bands on the Run website. And um, they were described on there as somewhere between Radiohead and the Foo Fighters. Ooh, Which is good. It is good because yeah. you didn't hear it in that last song. That maybe could be more like Foo Fighters. But the Radiohead comparison, I think, comes in with songs like Direct Line to the Telepathic. Oh, dude. Are we playing that song? We're not. We're oh. not. But we're playing, we're playing uh, to me, I think, a, a slightly better one. But, you know, like the intro, the very opening of the song or of the album, there's a song called Lift. And they've got these sort of like, you know more experimental kind of sounds that they mess around with. And throughout the original CD, which you can find on YouTube, you can find the original recordings um, before they got signed to Epic on YouTube. And you can hear, they did more of that kind of stuff in between tracks where they'd have like this, these old like audio recordings of what sounded like NASA or something like that. Yeah. You know I mean, like I remember the original recordings and I remember thinking like, man, they should have kept this song the way that was on the original on, on a few there's a few instances like the song coke they changed that one a lot yeah yeah the lyrics and everything right right yeah all right so here's what happens okay let's break it down so they had a lot of promise obviously after they they won the show everybody thought that they were gonna explode in popularity right so basically after the show they do some more shows leading up to like getting signed right and they're selling 80 to 100 copies of their record at any given show, averaging 500 to 700 copies a week is what their manager said. So they had a huge following because of the show, which is interesting because this is an example of a band that gets their success from a TV show competition and not from a really popular single or popular record, right? Because a lot of bands, right. they put out a record, it it sells, uh, you know, it goes platinum or something like that. They have this radio single that that makes them huge, right? They kind of skipped all that and went from unsigned band from Dallas that, you know, just played local shows and stuff to, you know, getting on this TV show and winning that and then having that success after that. So they kind of did did it in a, a weird order that most bands don't do it in, right? Almost any band. I mean, that was the only season of that show that ever aired. And I can see where this is going already, dude. Can you? I don't think you can. I think so. All right. So here's what happened. Uh, you know, so they go on to make the song, the the music video. They made a, a music video for Beautiful, right? And it costs like $260,000 to make the video. It's what Brandon said. He says it had helicopters in it, for God's sake. I fought them on it the whole time <laughs> asking. That's actually what he said. Could you just do it for 40000 Let us live on the rest of that money if you're going to spend it anyway. And of course, the answer was no, right? Oh, man. And so they go on. Now, this is interesting. I didn't realize this. They went on to open for Cranberries, as in Ooh. Cranberries, Zombie, right? Yeah. Um, and it forced them to sort of rent a bus to keep up with the the tour, right? Obviously. Now listen to this little tidbit here, Q. Cranberries had something like 80 grand for touring, is what Brandon said. Their label gave us $1,000. Jesus. He says that it wasn't even enough to get us to Montreal for the first show. But we were like, fuck it, I guess. So basically, like, they're thrown into the machine, right, basically. Mm-hmm. And just like, well, so you guys won the show. Congratulations, you know. Good luck. Fin for yourselves, basically. Uh, and yeah, they won $50,000 off that off that show. But, I mean, it may have been spent at that point. Yeah. Anyway, so what happens is they get signed by Epic, which is a Sony music subsidiary. They re-release the record. And it's reproduced. And interestingly enough, dude, I saw this name jump out at me when I was looking at the liner notes. Rick Bieto produced it. 
And I've talked about him before. He's got this YouTube channel that's super popular. It's called Everything Music. He does really awesome deep dives into like what makes a song great. He's got a series called What What Makes a Song Great. He's got like, you know, countdown videos where he talks about the best guitar intros, the best bass intros and songs, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, I thought it was interesting that he produced the record, but uh, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, um, so yeah, everything's, you know, looking peachy and stuff. They're getting ready to release the single, Beautiful, right? VH1, uh, not VH1, Epic was going to release it. They had this whole, they had a show planned and everything. Guess what day, Q? It was scheduled to surface on the radio. Guess what day? Remember what year it was? 2001. Oh, no. Yeah. And guess where they were on September 11th? I don't have to guess now, dude. Dude, they were in New York the night, the, 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 the day of September 11th, getting ready to do this show that was supposed to be like this single launch party, basically. My God. And the show was canceled, obviously. Yeah. So a lot of people point to September 11th as part of the reason that they kind of petered out because basically what happened is the music industry kind of goes up in chaos basically. Um, and Epic kept them on, but they stopped promoting their record and the A&R guy got fired and that was it. Just like what happened to Spoon, dude. Yep. And other bands we've talked about where once you stop promoting the record, you know, what's the point of being signed at that point? Right. You know what I mean? So ultimately what happens is, um, they offered Brandon, and the rest of the band a buyout. Okay. Either the band could sell the record to Epic for $120,000 or buy it back for half that amount. And so they bought it back. So that's kind of what happened to them. And then after that, over the years, various members quit the band for, you know, different reasons. They actually fired Dominic, the drummer, and replaced him with another guy, uh, Krieg the guitar player who actually co-wrote the songs. Most of the songs on welcome, welcoming home. The astronauts was co co-written by Krieg. So it was Brandon and Krieg that wrote the songs. He left because his wife was pregnant and he just, you know, wanted to focus on his family. Had to leave the rock star life. Pretty much. Now I thought this was interesting. I didn't know this Fletcher, the bass player who had another kid on the way. He actually quit the band to enlist in the military and he served 13 months in Iraq. So wow. Planes hit and he wants to go fight basically. Yeah. Right. So anyway, long story short, Brandon is basically falls into depression. His girlfriend breaks up with him, and then he just goes full into alcoholism and and uh, basically spent all the money that they got from the from the show and all that stuff on on booze. Right? It's a wicked demon, dude. It is. Um, he got to the point where he had to be like one of his buddies had to take him to the hospital. He goes through rehab and he emerges on the other side. This is like maybe 2015 or something like that. Uh, other than that, that's basically what happens to Flickr stick. When was their farewell tour that we saw? Do you know what year that was? 2009. So we saw them January 24th, 2009 at the house of blues. It was one of four farewell shows. Their very last show was actually at this uh, venue called the Aardvark in Fort Worth which interestingly enough is where his mom and dad met like his dad. Apparently his dad was like a famous dance guy, dancer or something like that. Huh? That like, um, danced with Debbie Reynolds back in the day. He has like a dance studio that he opened up. I don't know if you remember Q, but Brandon Lee would move around quite a bit on stage. Kind of like Jagger, you know, uh, Jagger swagger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he learned some of that from his dad, obviously like his dad's a dancer. So anyway, that's the roller coaster. And the ultimate end of a flicker stick. It, it kind of sucks, you know? It breaks my heart, man. Yeah, they had all this promise. They had all this buzz. They had all of this this fan base that came out of that show, including us. So they had, I mean, here's the thing. You can look at it from that way, right? I mean, they had a very devoted fan base. That's ultimately why they won, because people like us voted for them. They would have lost if it was based on how much money was raised you know, because that was that was the key. One of the two key components of the show was who raises the most money on ticket sales and merch sales, and then the audience felt kind of could sway it one way or the other. Because Guitar Center put up an extra five thousand dollars for whoever won the most votes, which put them over the edge when they won the fan vote. So that's why Brandon was saying in that intro clip, like they won because of the fans and the music they were putting out, because the fans liked the music so much, basically. Dude, and we helped, man. Exactly, we helped. 
There you go. Little 13-year-old Travis and Quentin watching VH1 and our little cathode ray TV that was in our, our bedroom. All right, so here, here's one more thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to play our last song here. Uh, on their MySpace page in 2008, they said, this is Brandon. Oh, I guess it was a message from the band. After a decade's worth of playing, the time has come for us to pack it up and say goodbye. Throughout these years, our greatest reward has been the dedication and support of our fans. We simply could not have lasted this long without you, Flickerstick fans. We've had some very good times together, and we will miss all of you. I want to say I read that, man. I remember that. I don't know if that was when they announced their their farewell shows, but yeah. anyway. So uh, what I wanted to do here is actually play a secret track. This uh, is track 12, if you want to count the track, but it's plays after the last song you have to wait a little bit for it to play but the reason i wanted to play this is because i think this is one of the examples or one of the one of the few tracks on the record that actually does convey the live performance on the track itself am i gonna recognize this song yes you will okay you, you definitely will but dude get ready to to be taken back dude to the live shows because this this is one of the songs that i remember would, would just stop the audience you know and we would be so captivated by Brandon's performance during this particular track. And then it's one of those things, I think this was usually an encore song because it starts with Brandon by himself on the guitar and then the rest of the band comes in after him, you know? So they would come back on the stage and then play another two songs. Classic encore. Exactly. So we got two clips here. This song is called Execution by Christmas Lights. It's just a little tease of what's what's to come, Q. But completely did, forgot about that song, man. It's one of my favorites. Get ready, dude, because I'm the same way. I probably haven't heard the song in, in years. And the the chorus that comes up after the second verse and the next clip that we're gonna play, just fucking it fucking knocked me off my feet, dude. That's all I'm gonna say. So without further ado, here's the next clip. Um, what can be said about his voice, dude? His his voice yeah, is great. It's something else. Yeah. It's haunting, right? It's vulnerable and, you know, there's yeah. imperfections in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's that's part of the charm of it. Yeah. It, it's not a, like a – it's not a great singing voice in, in, in a way. Like it's not a traditionally great sounding voice. But yeah. there's something about the way he – it comes across in his performances that makes it so, like you said, like uh, 
uh, genuine and like yeah and like you had said captivating yeah exactly all right get ready to get captivated dude i'm ready man and just if you're if you're listening just imagine hearing a performance like this live because i think that'll help all right here we go here's the next clip from execution by christmas lights Farewell, flicker stick. There they go, floating off into space. <laughs> Gooseleys, man. Yeah. I remember he would always uh, turn over those shan on us to the crowd at the end, and we would all just be chanting that at the end. Yeah. But so I think what you said earlier about like this was our first, I, I think we were fortunate that flicker stick was one of our first bands that we really attached to because it set such a high bar for live performances, you know, yeah. and, and showed us what 
what live music can do to you. You know what I mean? Yes. To where like, because, because of how, how energizing and captivating the performances were, especially by Brandon and the rest of the band. Like if you don't experience a, a, a performance like that live, you might not ever know that that's what live music can do to you, especially in an intimate setting. And in your formative years, if you don't get a chance yeah. to see a band like that at a young age, then you might not become a lifelong music fan. Right. And this is right when we started, as we mentioned earlier, this is right when we started our 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 journey of, of discovering music on our own and stuff like that. This was the first band that we really latched on to. Yeah. And two, year, two years later, we got our driver's license and yeah. started to get those freedoms and started buying our own music. Right. And in between that was all the bands that we've covered over the last few weeks, right? Because 2002, yep. 2003 was when we got into May and Jimmy World and all that stuff. So yeah, uh, I think Flickerstick was a really crucial part of that. You know what I mean? They really were. Yeah, we should we could get one of those boys on on here to talk with us. Yeah. I mean, Brandon, at least in 2015, when that article was written that I read, was had been sober for I think 19 months or something like that. It's awesome to hear, man. I hope you hope you stuck with it. Yeah, I hope so too. Um I thought this was kind of interesting. We talked about the song Coke. Mm-hmm. Um he actually somebody a, a country music singer actually released it as a, a he did a cover of it oh man that is a country song dude i could totally see it with a little twang on it and brandon actually recorded um backup vocals on the track so that's kind of cool <laughs> that's awesome can that be our outro song dude we got to find that it's not I, I listened to it uh it's too uh, it's too we'll put it in the show notes i'll tell you that okay come on i'd like to buy the world of coke Dude, that's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> but you're right; it 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 does lend itself well to country. Yeah. Now, the, here's the question: in the country version, does he say "and lie here naked with my girl" or "lie here taken with my girl"? Because that was the change in lyrics from the original album to the re-release. Uh, I couldn't tell you. So, you know, that's some some flicker stick trivia right there. That is some flicker stick trivia. But uh, the guy's from Houston. The guy's name is Rich O'Toole. Uh, <laughs> is a country music singer. I love it. He's on a record label queue called Paytime Off Records or PTO Records, which just sounds oh, like one of those just dopey country music Jesus. bullshit. Uh, and if, who knows? PTO Records is probably not a country music label. I just like knocking on country at any any moment that I can. I'm with you. Uh, I don't think we've even mentioned our hatred for country music. No, but our, our good buddy Mitch has said that he will show us the goods one of these days and, and, and turn us. Um, it's it's going to have to be something beyond uh, Sturgill Simpson or whatever. He said something about outlaw country, which is a genre that, that we should get into. I'm ready, dude. I'm yeah. ready. To, uh, I'm ready, I'm ready to too. Anyway, that's it, man. There are so many other songs on this album worth talking about and playing, but um, I think those two kind of showcase the band. In, in a good way, especially that hidden track that we just played. Um, it, hopefully it, it came across, you know what I mean? I think we, we have the memories of the shows and stuff tied to it, you know? Yeah. Travis, do you know if that photo still exists on the internets from their farewell show that we saw? I tried to find it. Oh man. <laughs> we got, we got captured by, by a professional photographer. We were like front row and Brandon, yeah climbed over the barricade and got hoisted up. I think his, the security guy like hoisted him up. And so he was just literally right in front of us singing for one of the songs, like in the crowd. It was amazing. And yeah, dude, I, man, I, I wish we could, we should have, we should have saved that photo. Yeah. I, I thought I had it on my Facebook page, but I guess I was too uh, self-conscious to tag myself. Cause here, here we go. Here I am. Cause we were looking dopey. Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tried to find it. Uh, their website no longer exists. Like flickerstick.com is not a thing. I remember they had a really cool website. I will say to you that it's on sale for $3,895. If you want to buy flickerstick.com. Oh, no. The domain is for sale. But yeah, dude, uh, this was the first, one of, one of my first uh, dipping my toes in, in building a website. And um, it was some school, some class I took in middle school that was like, computer science or something like that. 
and I built a fan page. Actually, I'm I'm confusing my spoon. It was a spoon fan page, but no, I had a I had a Flickrstick GeoCities page. <laughs> I would love to see that. That no longer exists. Yeah, it doesn't exist because you know a lot of the GeoCities pages were archived. You can still see them, but I must have deleted it or something. Like I that. know I've got one somewhere, man. For I don't something. know if it was one of those things like the MySpace stuff where you had to like opt in to have it archived. I don't know. But uh, I can't find it. So all I got left, Q, is this T-shirt that I'm wearing, which I'm pretty happy with. I got nothing, dude. I had a red T-shirt with just the word, the flicker stick yeah. font on it. Yeah, it did. And I'm, dude, I remember it was really shitty quality and the words kind of bled over into each other and it looked like it said fucker stick. So I, I stopped wearing it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um you are just, you know, some bad kerning away from it saying fucker stick. If you don't know what kerning is. I sure as hell don't. Then you're not a massive graphic design nerd like me. That's like the spacing between letters. Gotcha. And there you go. Now you know. All right, dude. That's it, man. That's the end of our our batch of episodes devoted to music that we listened to in our formative years can't say high school because this was this was middle school dude this was middle school yeah that's right yeah. but no it's been great basking in this nostalgia glow man yes now here's the ultimate question q should we tease our next episode i think we should yes let's do it you know what we get to bask in it one more time next week yes so next week we are super stoked uh, this is, this is a, a guest that in, unless you lived in Carrollton, Texas during a very brief window or Denton, Texas, you would have no clue who this guy is, but to us, he was another very critical piece to our, our musical journey. Cause he was like the drug dealer in a way <laughs> that way. So we're talking to a man named Mark Burke. He ran a little CD store in Carrollton, Texas, which is the town that we grew up in, called CD Addict. And uh, it was kind of the only, to my knowledge at least, it was the only place you could buy indie CDs, right? You know what I mean? Like he had a lot of basically all the records that we talked about over the last few weeks we purchased from him at CD Addict, right? Yeah. We've mentioned him a few times uh, since we started this podcast. Um, yeah, man. Nothing but love for Mark. And we've reached out to other people that grew up with us and all of them said the same thing. Like, yeah, dude, he, he was a huge part of helping cultivate my love for music. Yeah. And then, um, he, uh, he, he moved his CD shop to Denton, uh, and has been there since then. Uh, it was a record store called mad world records. Uh, but we'll get into what happens with all that with him. We'll talk to him about all that, um, next week. And we're just going to nerd out about, um, you know, what it was like to own a CD store right before streaming really took over, you know, and then actually survive past that, you know, and have a, a relatively successful shop in Denton. And if you're, if you're familiar with, with Denton or North Texas, like, you know, that that's where it's the closest thing to Austin that, um, like North Texas has, right. It's home to UNT, University of North Texas, which has a huge music program, lots of jazz bands and stuff like that, and just has a thriving music scene. So yeah, it's no wonder he, you know, he was able to have success in Denton with a CD shop that also, you know, it it was mainly a vinyl record store at that point, right? So yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to talk to him. Um, and yeah, dude, I couldn't be more excited. So that's going to, that's actually going to be the way that we wrap this up is to talk with him, which is going to be great. Yeah, dude, it's, it's fucking perfect, man. I, I'm so yeah. stoked that we were able to, to make this work. Yeah, dude. All right, man. So that's next week. And now it's time for our, what you heard's here, which is our, our weekly segment where we each bring a track to the table from an artist that we listened to since we last recorded. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, you go first. I got to pull up some stuff here. All right. So um, I just randomly stumbled upon this song. It was on one of my Discover Weekly playlists on Spotify. But this particular group, we actually, I believe, had some coverage on, on our, our music blog, No Filler. Oh, God, dude, I always do that. On our music <laughs> blog, New Dust, 
uh, that we ran back in like 2009, 2010. This band is called Sister Crayon. They also go by another alias called Rituals of Mine. But I remember this this album cover uh, of the record that came out in 2011 called Bello. Anyway, so the track that I stumbled upon is actually on a record, uh, a single or an EP called Cynic. It came out in 2013. And the name of the song is called Floating Heads. I'm into that, dude. Yeah, is it really, uh, dude? The drumming and the bass, fucking amazing. That reminds me of it. Kind of had some Radiohead vibes, just with the melody can, and the repetitiveness, yeah. especially the drum beat. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can definitely hear that. Great stuff. So, um, uh, I said earlier that they they went by another alias of Rituals of Mine. That's actually what they go by now. So basically. The band is called Rituals of Mine, previously known as Sister Crayon. And this was one of their releases under Sister Crayon. Very cool. Uh, it's mainly two two individuals. Um, it started by uh, Tara Lopez, which is the vocalist, and then Danny Fernandez, which you know back in the day was just – it was kind of an electronic music uh, act. So they didn't have any you know, instruments. Yeah. But then they were joined by a drummer and a keyboard player and all that kind of stuff. Anyway um, – yeah, this record is classified as down tempo and trip hop, which is interesting. But you you get a little bit of that. Well, on that it's song. got some ported head or massive attack vibes too. A little bit, yeah. But I'm curious to hear the rest of the the record, so I'm probably going to listen to that. Uh, but yeah, really solid track. Really stood out to me. All right, Q, what do you got for us today? All right, so I just started watching this mini series. Uh, I was watching it on YouTube. It's called People Watching. Really great. Uh, I'm going to read its description here. It's an animated exploration of concepts such as depression, self-loathing, 
societal stereotypes, preconceived opinions, and nostalgia. Um, just go out and watch it. It's really great. People watching is what it's called. They're like five to ten minutes long. And um, towards the end of each episode, it always kind of they'll always just kind of fade in a song into the credits. And on the second episode that I watched, there is a song by a band called Sloan. Ever gotten into them, dude? That is the name of my cat. I know that. But do you know anything about this band? Uh, Not off the top of my head. Well, here's the deal, dude. It's one of those moments, man. Again. Okay. Where I'm like, how? Here we go. How have I missed this all this time? Um, They go back to the 90s. They go back to the 80s, my friend. Okay. I would put them in the post-punk indie... You know, shoegaze, dream, dream pop, whatever you want okay. to call right. it. I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. Maybe not so much shoegaze, but you know, it's hard to describe this stuff um, from the '90s. And Travis, I know you've been, you know, swimming in, in the '90s with your floaties on the last few weeks. So you're gonna love this yes. stuff, dude. Um, okay. The song that I heard was on their 1994 album called Twice Removed. The song was called People of the Sky. I'm not gonna play that one for my what you heard because then i just went ahead and played this entire album today while i was doing some yard work i'm just gonna play right now dude i'm looking at the album cover and i'm fucking stoked right now dude i don't know why just the album cover alone yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna love this i'm shit. telling you man it's one of those fucking it's like how have i missed out on sloan all these years all right here is the first track from the album it's called pin pals great definitely listening to this tomorrow <laughs> yeah dude and you've got quite a few albums to to dive into well, I'm, I'm just curious to see what happens on the rest of the record you know what i mean because like i'll tell you it's great dude and and it's all over the place um i'm getting some some spoon vibes with a lot of the guitar riffs well i thought that about the guitar riff yeah the opening guitar yeah, riff. well you'll you'll hear it in a lot of the other songs too okay cool it's good stuff man Nice. Yeah. I mean, it is, like you said, it's, it's kind of like, well, how do we not, how, how, we not how did we miss Sloan? <laughs> Especially with, no, it looks like they were a Canadian band. Maybe sure. they didn't just, I mean, maybe they didn't get any airplay over in America. Yeah, you know? maybe not. But yeah, with this many records, uh, they have one that came out as recently as 2018. Yeah. Uh, and they have, dude, they have a live album that just came out or well, it was, it's one tr- song. It's a single. So but, uh, yeah. that album that came out in 2018 is called 12. It's their 12th studio record. Crazy. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, that's a wrap right there. That is the wrap, my friend. That's a series wrap. Almost. It's a, it's a, Next it's week's a series, series wrap. wrap. 
Next week is the fucking season finale, bro. That's the finale, dude. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, dude, where do we go from here? What's next, man? What's on the horizon? Do we want to tease that next week? Maybe or not even tease. We don't even have to tease. I said something about our dad coming along. Maybe that'll give you more than you need to know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's that should cue you in. Maybe on maybe the decade. You know. Well, let's just tell it, dude. We're playing dad tunes. We're playing dad tunes next. Okay, that is our next stop. So yeah, we decided. Hey, we've been talking about music that we were into when we were kids or teenagers, I should say. What better than to transition into the music that you know we grew up with, right? The music that our dad was listening to when we were kids, right? Yeah. And so we're going to talk about. Well, let's not talk about the artist, but we're going to stay in the seventies, maybe the eighties, a little bit. I don't know if we'll go back to the sixties, but seventies and eighties. We're going to stick in that those two decades for a while, which honestly. Those are the two decades that have been, to me, the most, I don't want to say ignored, but you know, let's, most ne- of our, let's say neglected. Yeah. Most of our albums that we talk about are in the nineties and the two thousands Yeah, because that's just our, our wheelhouse. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like we've said over and over again, that's when we were engaged in, in listening to music. So we thought we'd go back to, to, I mean, there's, it's an unlimited well of amazing music from those two decades. So there's no, no end to the amount of uh, great music that we can talk about. Yeah. We're going to try to get our dad and maybe our older brother on for at least one of those episodes. And maybe some more guests. We're starting to get more guests here. So outside of our, you know, immediate family members, because, you know, I talk to you every week. (laughs) Right. All right. So that'll wrap us up here. Um, You can find us on our website, millfillerpodcast.com. We can find all our show notes, in all of our episodes, going back to episode one, uh, each episode page has our show notes and our track lists. So each song that is played on this episode, you will see listed there as well as any sources that we cited or got information from. And uh, you can also find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network, which is a podcast network of like-minded music shows like ours. So Go to their website, pantheonpods.com, to find much more great music content. That's it. My name is Travis. What's the outro, brother? Oh, yeah. That's right. You always forget I always that. forget about the outro. <laughs> I always forget the outro. All right. So I actually have a song from Flickerstick's next record that I totally forgot about. And we actually had this record. Yeah. There's, there's some great songs on there. There is some great stuff on here. So this record is called Tarantula. It came out in 2004. This was after they left Epic. So they were on a local Dallas label called Idol Records. And the song that's going to close us out is called Girls and Pills. Yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a cool song. This is when they're trying to capture that live sound a little bit more. I think so. Uh, I will say this record is more aggressive yeah. than Welcome to the Astronauts. They, they went a little bit darker. Yep. Um, so, all right. That'll do it. My name is Travis. And my name's Quentin. We'll talk to y'all next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 